And welcome to episode 35 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Games 4 and 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals are in the books. We're going to talk about uh, advance of Game 6, which probably by the time you're reading this, or listening. listening to this, I should say, uh, the series is either going to be over or headed to Game 7. So I guess we'll find out which of our consmite picks uh, were bang on or way off the mark. Uh, so we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, on the day Muhammad Ali was laid to rest, hockey lost one of its most beloved icons. Um, his name needs no introduction. We'll talk about him uh, shortly after we talk about the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, Las Vegas may be getting an NHL franchise after all. We'll uh, discuss that as well. Uh, first, shout out to all the number 35s, past and present, in the NHL. Um this is mostly a goalie number, so don't be surprised if you hear a lot of goalies on uh, this list. Uh, the most noble of which include Tony Esposito, uh, Tom Barrasso, uh, J.S. Jaguar, um, Mike Richter, Andy Moog, Nikolai Habibulin, Corey Schneider, Tommy Sallow, Dwayne Rollison, Pecorine, Jimmy Howard, Marty Turco, Bessa Toscala. Um, some names you probably haven't heard of before that also wore number 35, Dan Bouchard. In 1977-78, he finished the season with 19 ties. Um, pretty sure, if that's not a record by a goalie, it's pretty close. Uh, Jim Carey, uh, goalie uh, most notably uh, known for uh, his first couple of seasons uh, in Washington, where he got 53 of his 79 NHL wins. Uh, Manny Fernandez, uh, formerly of the Minnesota Wild, also wore number 35, as did another a Minnesota goaltender. I think I mentioned Dwayne Rollison before. You did, yep. Uh, Ty Conklin, 3-0 and in uh, outdoor games. Um, and he did so with three different teams. Wow. Uh, so he also wore number 35. Um, Martin Prusak, who was a backup goalie to Patrick O'Leary in Ottawa for a couple of years, played really, really good uh, as a backup for us. Uh, Glenn Healy was also a pretty stable backup goalie uh, during his time and. Had some good seasons with the Islanders as well. And uh, Mike McPhee, one of the few uh, players to wear uh, this goalie number. So to all of the number 35s, past and present, playing in the NHL, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. You weren't uh, kidding with the uh, goalies wearing number thirty-five yet no. from last week. No, yeah, a lot, a lot of them yeah. uh, won the Stanley Cups. Andy Moog, Nikolai Abibulin, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right, let's do social media. Uh, lace them up. No, lace them podcast. For Twitter, um, lace m up on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Gmail us or email us. <laughs> gmail us. You can Gmail us, I which guess. Is, which is through <laughs> Gmail. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's now a verb. Like you know, you don't don't email us through Yahoo. Email us through Gmail. Uh, no, you can email us whenever on whatever account you have. Uh, at uh, laceupbag at gmail.com, uh, feedback, questions, whatever, 
And, or you can even, you know, tweet at us um, some questions and stuff. Or, um, you know, go on iTunes and leave us a review. Um, we'll look at that. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, more than likely listening to us on SoundCloud as well. We and SoundCloud too, that. yeah. Um, or iTunes, uh, it's possible too. But, um, either or. Yeah, either, either or. Either you can listen to us. <laughs> um, Alright, let's get going. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals uh, is underway. So this is recorded on Sunday before Game 6. Yeah, might not be underway for too much longer if right. Pittsburgh gets it done. Exactly. But uh, there were two games this week. Um, they, were kind of, they were pretty much the opposite of each week. Uh, okay. So uh, the Game 4, the Penguins came out on top, or just like dominated them for dominated the Sharks for, from the beginning to land. There was a beautiful goal from Phil Kessel to Ian Cole um, in that in that game, um, which is kind of like, I feel like that's like the Maple Leafs' worst nightmare because they were, um, Ian Cole was apparently bad. Or like I just remember reading on Twitter that Ian Cole was like one of the worst offensive players on well, the team. Well, not the most offensively gifted defenseman they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not words. It was just like, yeah, it was just... Like, he's not known for his offense, I guess is the word. Um, so I was actually... And we, we talked about the importance of face-offs last yeah. episode. You alluded to the fact they don't usually make or break a hockey game. Yeah. And Game 4 is a prime example. I mean, the Sharks won 11 of the first 13 draws. They only get six shots on goal in the first. They didn't have a shot on goal in the first seven-plus minutes of the second. Yeah, I was and about to get to the guy who hadn't scored a goal in over 100 games in Ian Cole opening the score yeah. for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was well. I was about to get to the shots on goal because I feel I feel like that's what every media member has been talking about is how much the Penguins have been out shooting the Sharks. Yeah. But I was just looking at Game Four shot total. Um, Pittsburgh had twenty shots overall, and the San Jose Sharks had twenty four. So um, I thought that was interesting. Um, What's also interesting is that they the Sharks had 20 giveaways. Yeah. And one of the final puck battles they lost in the neutral zone led to the Eric Fair goal right. in the final minutes that put the Pens ahead 3-1. to one. Right, exactly. In, in the series and the game. Um, yeah, so that was game four. And then game five, um, it, it was actually, it was kind of the opposite because there was like four goals in the first uh, five minutes. Uh, Brent Burns scored first in the first minute. Logan Couture scored next. Uh, then Evgeny Malkin and Carl Haglin. Um, and then uh, Melker Carlson scored later in the period. And and that was it for the rest of the game. Oh, right. There was Joe Pe- Pavlescu who scored in the third period. It was an empty netter, mind it was an, you. Was it empty? Oh, it doesn't you, say you it here. But yeah. gets him going. Yeah, it was an empty netter, yeah. And, um, and it wasn't just him who showed up. Yeah. I mean, Pavelski had five shots in game four. Logan Couture was amazing, yeah. Yeah. Couture and Martin. Three, Sorry, Couture go on. Couture had a three-point game, yeah. And Burns had a good game as well. Like you mentioned, yeah. the first game score was almost yeah. a carbon copy of the Donskoy goal. Yeah, it was a nice goal too, yeah. Um, and Martin Jones uh, played excellent. I don't know if they'll – oh, uh, let me go to the shot totals here. Uh, 40 yeah. – 46 on Pittsburgh, 22 on San Jose. I think that was partly because San Jose came out with the lead in the first period. 
Um, and then they just started becoming more complacent and just played defensive hockey, um, which, I mean, isn't a bad thing to do, but uh, Pittsburgh had, so, like, I'm just looking at the shot totals for each period. So in the first period, Pittsburgh had 15, and San Jose had 7, which is funny because three of those went in, uh, three of those seven went in. Then in the second period, they had, Sharks had 8, uh, Pittsburgh had 17, and then in the third, San Jose had seven, and Pittsburgh had fourteen. Um, yeah. Of course, um, this all doesn't matter because San Jose, you know, had four goals of those twenty-two, and Pittsburgh had two of those in, of those forty-six. So yeah. that just shows that a Martin Jones uh, played spectacular. He's playing a Tim Thomas-like um, feat, uh, but. Um, also, it shows that this is probably not sustainable. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. you were talking about the, the, those shots and, and on, on goal and how lopsided they were, and and, and like I, I'm 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 looking more in depth in, into the stats here. Like Pavelski, the goal that he scored, that was his first point of the series. Yeah, yeah. Empty netter, not just his first goal; it's his first point of the series. Yeah, and. San Jose, that 2 nothing lead was gone in 22 seconds. That was their first lead of the series. It was gone yeah. in 22 seconds. But then they and got it back, though, later in the period. They got it back, but there were several off-the-pipe calls from Doc Emmerich yeah. that could have either tied the game true. or put Pittsburgh ahead. That's true. And, like, Kessel had at least a couple of them, a, lo- yeah. a couple of missed uh, opportunities as well. He had at least three or four, and he finished with four shots on goal. And you look at what the others did. Connor Sheary had five shots on goal. Patrick Hornquist had seven shots on goal and six hits. Evgeny Malkin had six shots on goal. Brian Rust had three shots on goal. And Hagelin had four shots on goal in the first period alone. So at the end of the day, Pittsburgh looked like the better team, but San Jose just found a way to win. And and that's what San Jose needed to do. They needed their big guns to step up. They did. They need Martin Jones to play out of his mind. He did. But... Can they somehow keep this series going with that kind of play? I doubt it, especially if they get off to a rough start. Like, you look at 2012 uh, between the Devils and the Kings, and you remember that first period, Kings at home, and Bernier takes that 10-minute penalty or a 5-minute major, I think it was. And bang, 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 three goals back in the net. New Jersey's pretty much out of it at that point, and the Kings ran away with it. And if the Sharks get off to that kind of start, if they have a nightmare first period, it's over before it even starts. That's true. So that's yeah. what they can't afford to have happen to them. They can't afford a bad first period. Yeah, but I don't know. I I don't foresee that. I don't know if that's going to happen per se. But you're right. They do need to start out strong, and I think that was the main reason why they came out ahead Yes. Yeah, uh, of the last game is they just started out strong and then try to be more defensive in general for the rest of the game. Um, I don't know if that's going to work though for the rest of the time, especially with this Pittsburgh team that's, you know, that throws 46 shots on, on net. Um, yeah, I, almost I every game. the first four goals of game six will happen the first five minutes and six seconds. Like it did in game five. I mean, that was a new NHL record. Yeah. So. I doubt they're going to break the same record uh, the very next game. So, right. Um, I think game six might be a lot closer, but definitely the opening 20 minutes, San Jose needs yeah. to needs to take it to Pittsburgh. 
Matt Murray hasn't really been tested at all this series. He hasn't been as great as Martin Jones by any stretch, but he's made the stops when he's had to. Yeah, I if, agree if with they, that. If they really take it to Matt Murray and the Pittsburgh Penguins and get him on their heels, then they at least have a chance to maybe force Game 7. And, and, and this is the fact of the matter. And I think I alluded to this in, in previous podcasts as well. Every single time Pittsburgh's won the Cup, they've done it on the road. Yep. Every single time. They did it in 91, they did it in 92, they did it in 09 in Game 7 against Detroit. In my opinion, if the Sharks force a Game 7, they're going to win this series. Well, They're going to win because yeah. in 2008 in the Cup Finals, they lost it at home. Right. So based on that, and based on the fact that Matt Murray hasn't lost back-to-back starts in regulation at all at any stage in his, any, in his very young NHL career thus far... I like San Jose's odds if they win game six. But it, I think it's now or never for the Penguins to win this series. If, if they get pushed into a game seven, I really, really like the Sharks' chances. Maybe Jean-Claude Van Damme can come. Um, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Sean Michaels, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, all right, yeah, that, that is a good point. I mean, I don't – it's still tough, though – it's still tough to win three games in a row like that. I don't think I. I think I was looking at a stat somewhere that like um, I don't think it, it, like it's never happened that a team has come back from a three to one lead in the Stanley Cup Finals or something like that. I, I don't quote me on that, but I'm sure. But I'm saying it out loud on a podcast. So um, uh, the but, last, the last, if I'm not mistaken, the last team to come back from a three nothing deficit won the whole thing, and San Jose was on the losing end of that. Right, but that wasn't gap. Stanley Cup Finals. That was just playoffs. It wasn't, no, but the Kings still went on to win the cup that year, so they they know how fast a series can turn around. True. Um, and Paul Martin. That's a good point. Uh, and Paul Martin was on a couple of Penguins teams that had a three one lead. And Bluewood. Yeah. And he's on the Sharks. So he, yeah. he knows it's possible. Also, I was, uh, you were talking about how, like, the Penguins haven't won at home um, in their history. Uh, they were, uh, I, I listened to Greg Wyshynski, um of Yahoo Sports, and he was saying how, uh, like, he was overhearing, he's at, he was at, you know, he's following the series, he's at Pittsburgh, he's at San Jose. I mean, he was, he was listening in on, like, uh, people in his like rest in the restaurant that he was eating at, and they were like debating if they should get tickets, and they're apparently like seven thousand dollars just so just for the off chance that they may win in that building, yeah. uh, which is nuts. <laughs> um, but well, um, people are paying good money to watch Chicago win it at home. Yeah, no, I know it's it's not. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but at the same time, it's just like seven thousand dollars just so you can see yeah, the Stanley Cup. It, it, you know, you I, know I potentially you know, capitalizing on a good investment, but yeah, yeah. it's a bit overkill. <laughs> I mean, not everyone has seven thousand; they can just blow at any point. Exactly, especially when the Penguins have like won before. You know, it's yeah. like. Like, I guess it can make sense, like, if this was, like, Toronto, or if this was Edmonton, or not Edmonton, like, I don't know, some other, like, I guess Edmonton would count, but I was just thinking of something that's even more disappointing, because Edmonton has Gretzky and Mestier, so I don't know, maybe, like, you know, anyways, the point is, I could understand it if it was, like, uh, some franchise that was even more depressing, but, um... 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, sound, it seemed kind of crazy high to me. That seven thousand dollars for a ticket there. But um, all right, let's get to uh, if <laughs> when the Stanley Cup is being lifted, who's going to be the guy who will get the Conn Smythe the award before he's the leader for each team. Now, since we don't know who's going to win on each team, so we'll each give our consummate winner for each team um, in case, you know, one of them doesn't win. Um, so I guess we'll start with the Penguins because they're the more likely to win. Um, yeah, they have, they have the upper hand at the yeah, time. Um, you, yeah, I guess you can go first. <laughs> go on. Okay, uh, Phil Kessel. Yeah, I was going to go with Phil Kessel. No, he's I was, got, a goal, he's got yeah. a goal and four assists, five points in five games. Yeah. He's been involved in five of the Penguins' 12 goals in the Stanley Cup Finals. Again, four assists heading into Game 6. By far their best player from start to finish, not just in the Stanley Cup Finals. He's yeah. racist even the Stanley Cup Finals. But throughout these playoffs, all that talk has been has been about the HB yeah. game. Kessel's been at the forefront of that. He deserves the con smite. Maple Leaf fans might not want to hear that. <laughs> but a year after leaving the Blue Jays, John Farrell won the World Series with your Boston Red Sox. So they've been used to disappointment before, I guess. So, yeah, uh, Phil yeah. Kessel for the Penguins for me. Um, yeah, I was going to go with Kessel, too. Just, just some honorable mentions. I think I was going to say Matt Murray because he's been phenomenal this postseason two, but not of the last couple of games. So I think Kessel would do it. Um, also, I'm just looking here on the stats. Uh, like, if Gavin Malkin has 18 points, Benino has 18 points, and a couple of game-winning goals at that. Uh, Crosby has 17. Uh, Haglin has 16. Kessel has 22. So he's, he's far and away ahead of those guys. But um, perhaps, perhaps Benino could get it because he's had yeah. a lot of big game-winning. Goals. I could see, yeah, I could see Benino getting it, especially if he gets the game-winning goal for like, let's say it's like Game Seven, and yeah. Benino gets the game-winning goal. I think yeah. it would be tough not to give it to Benino for that. Um, yeah. or give it, or just give it to the entire HBK line. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they it's can do that, but itself. that'd be that'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah they all. all any one of those guys deserve it. It's like back I, I when, like, mostly, I just mostly look at the Cup Finals performance, and yeah. I've, and from from no, that's completely the, fair. Consistent throughout, Kessel yeah. has for the Penguins. Yeah, that's completely fair, and um, I think that's what I think the media members in the box on that night, like, they decide who gets it. So, um, so that that is completely fair. I think Phil Kessel. If Phil Kessel won it, that would be the best story. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I'm just giving like other guys that it could be too. Um, yeah. I think if like Matt Murray like gets like a shutout um, in the game in the game winning game, um, then I think he probably has it. I think those are in terms of the Penguins. I think it's either Kessel or Murray um, okay. for me, um, and then. All right, then for the Sharks, um, I guess I'll go first because you went first last time. I'm going to go with Martin Jones. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the obvious pick, but he's been uh, he's been phenomenal. He's been the reason, why, like as we just talked about in Game Five, he was the main reason why uh, they were in it in the first place. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I think I think he does it. I guess in terms of other players, I guess you want first off before I say other players, who who do you think? Martin Jones is the only guy that is getting that award if the Sharks pull this off. He's had to face 40 or more shots in a game, not once, not twice, but three times in the Stanley Cup Finals before Game 6. That could change if he has another one of those nights in Game 6 or even Game 7 if they get that far. The Sharks, in in, in those three times that he's faced 40 or more shots, the Sharks have won two of them. In every game during that stretch, he's only been beaten three times or less. Yeah. If that wasn't enough pressure for Martin Jones to deal with, he has faced 179 of his 658 shots against in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's roughly 27%. If the Sharks pull off this upset and secure their first championship, he is the only guy that I am giving the award to because we are not even talking about Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. We're talking about who won and lost this series for their respective teams. Yeah. Uh, this thing is over, if not for Martin Jones. Yeah, he may even and win it. no disrespect to the other guys, but just consistency. Again, no, I agree with that. And racing his game to the finals, he's my obvious pick. Yeah, I agree he's obvious. And even if the Sharks don't win it, he could. there's a good chance that he could win the Conn Smythe. I think if he um, forces Game 7 and, yeah. force if, and forces Game 7 into overtime, that's probably the only chance I think he has of pulling a JSU gear. Otherwise, it's yeah. a little bit. J.S. Jaguar is the only, um, just for those who don't know, J.S. Jaguar is the only losing player to win the uh, Conn Smythe Award. Um, I, think, I, uh, I don't know if he's only the true? first or if he's only the second, but uh, I, I know he's one of a select few. Yeah, yeah. It's rare. Okay, fi- fair enough. It's, it's, it's very rare, though. It's, it's ra- very, very rare. rare, and J.S. Jaguar is the most recent one. We should. We'll, we'll, that'll be the clarifying thing. O- only fitting that yeah. he wore his number 35. We're talking about an episode 35. Exactly. Um, um, but, like, yes, I agree. Martin Jones um, will probably get it um, if the Sharks win. Um, I just want to, just just for the sake of humoring people, uh, Logan Couture uh, has the most points um, in the uh, in these playoffs with twenty nine. Uh, I assume if the um, if the Sharks will make it to win it, uh, you know Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns and Joe Thornton have to step up. So mm-hmm. if either one of those guys like actually like go into high gear and um, into another gear, then I think those guys have a chance at it. But I think in terms of the Sharks, I think Martin Jones is the best selection for that. Yeah, if they keep getting a chance, especially yeah. and they still manage to, to pull this off, especially Martin Jones. But it's if, if Couture and all the other big guns um, weren't kind of being snake-bitten the entire series prior to Game 5... Yeah then maybe it's a different conversation. But Martin Jones is my unanimous pick. I ain't even thinking of anyone else for it. Yeah, no, that that, that is completely fair. I was just I was just giving people other things yeah, to yeah, think about. That's that's fair. But it, it, no doubt about it, Couture has been huge for them the entire yeah. playoffs. But the Smythe Trophy, best player of the playoffs, if you get to the Stanley Cup Finals, that is where you make or break your statement for that Consmite trophy. And, and Martin Jones hasn't given me a reason to say, no, he doesn't deserve the Consmite. He absolutely does. Right. All right, let's go to uh, the rapid fire. 
Uh, the first on our list, which will be pretty long, but um, it's okay. Because uh, it's a legend. Uh, we're, uh, so Gordy Howe, on the midst of Muhammad Ali dying, another yeah, tough guy. The go- same day he was late to rest, no less. Yeah, right, you mentioned that on the, on the first... Um, in the first, you know, couple of minutes of this podcast, but, uh, yeah, uh, Gordy Howe passed away as well. Um, I think, I think there was like reports that he was like sick. Um, he had like dementia late in his life or something like that. He had several strokes as yeah. well. The last one, he, the people didn't even know if, if he would, how, for how much longer yeah. he had been, but he, 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 he had, um, he had made. I don't know if it was significant progress, but progress enough. Yeah, I was about to say, like, there was, like, reports that he was healthy again, and then I guess he yeah, just... Yeah, made a couple of public appearances, too, yeah. the two I remember. And then he's... Yeah, and then he's... And, you know, you, you knew that he wasn't... He wasn't feeling that good health-wise, but still, it's it's kind of sudden. We're just out of the blue. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. You find out um, so neither one of us have seen him play but we both he both had an impact on our lives in terms of watching hockey i'm going to uh list out all the different awards and accolades he had um just for everyone in case they don't know which they probably they should by now um know like exactly how uh how good this guy was so in terms of awards, he had uh, he was the six-time Art Ross winner and Hart Trophy winner. He won the Hart three times in a row. I think it was between the 1951 to 1954. That was like his first couple of years seasons in the you know couple of years in the season. Um, in his career, I did not know this. In his rookie season, he wore number seventeen. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But uh, that was interesting too. Uh, he, yeah, he won the heart three times in a row, uh, four cups in 1950, 1952, uh, 1954, 1955. I didn't even, when I was looking this up, I didn't realize he went into the WHA. I thought like the only famous or like good NHL player who went to the WHA was Bobby Hull, but, uh, Gordy Howe went there and he won two cups there. Uh, with the Houston Astros in the, in the 74. What did I say? You said Astros. I think uh, it was Arrows. No, it's Arrows. Astros is the baseball team, right? Yes. Uh, so, uh, Arrows uh, in 1974 and 1975. He went to 22 All-Star games. Um, and then here are some stats. Uh, so, he played 26 seasons. Um, and so, just for perspective... Uh, Yamir Yager, who's, you know, he's known as the guy who plays forever. He just played his 21st season. So Yager has five more left to go just to catch up to Howe. Uh, Messier is the next closest to Howe in games played, which we'll get to in a second. But, he's um, been retired for at least 10 years. Yep. And he played 25 seasons. So, um... Yeah, there's that. I think that's the thing that I look at in terms of longevity is just how, um, like how durable he was, especially for like hockey's one of the most grueling sports there is, and he was like supremely physical too, mm-hmm. but he had, um, 
but you know he was like apparently he would give you a good elbow he could score yeah if he knew you're from Saskatchewan though he'd go easy on you he was like (laughs) I didn't know that if he um if he's you know like he could score and he could you know fight you um which is kind of you know or just bruise you up um and uh and that's why there's the Gordie Howe hat trick, which yeah. is a goal, assist, and a fight. Um, apparently, he's only he only did that twice in his career, but he, that's what he's known for the Gordie Howe hat trick. Um, anyway, so the most impressive, the most impressive stat in my mind, um, as we were just talking about his durableness, he's the only player to play in the NHL for five different decades. Um, and he's the oldest player to play in the NHL game with 52 years and 10 days. And he was still pretty good for Hartford. Um, he had 41 points when he was 51. I just think that's just crazy because I don't think there's ever going to be a player like that. Maybe Yager, but I don't think Yager, I think Yager has like maybe like two seasons at least. I don't think Yager is <laughs> making it to like 51. Um, As a matter of fact, actually. He was the only player in professional hockey history to play in six different decades because in the late 1990s, he came out of retirement for one day uh, to play a single game as a member of the now-defunct Detroit Vipers. I believe they were an NHL oh, right, yeah. team, and he only played in one shift. At yeah. the age of 69, that was his final professional hockey game. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that too, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, five different decades. Um. I added the stat in, but I'm not sure if this is accurate. But I said that he played in the... This is definitely accurate, but I wasn't sure if he was the only one to do it. But uh, he played in the USHL, the NHL, and the WHA. Um, And then uh, here's just, like, in terms of where he is on the league-leading thing. He was the first all-time in NHL games played with uh, 1,767. He was the second... Um, all time in points, um, with eighteen uh, thousand eight hundred and fifty. Um, he was second all time in NHL goals with eight hundred one. Yager has seven forty nine goals. Gretzky has eight ninety four goals. Um, and he is ninth all time in NHL assists with a thousand forty nine. Um, and I think most of those people who broke him were, like, guys who came in after he was in the league. So, um, so like, he was basically Gretzky before Gretzky. Yeah. And, and, and what's what's interesting, uh, here's the stat that impresses me the most. Yep. In, 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 a gen, in a generation of the NHL where I think they maybe played at the most 50 to 60 games, like, this is before the 82-game schedule was, was uh, t- took into effect. He got 100 points in a season only once in his entire NHL career. He did that at the age of 40. Yeah. That's the only time he did it, <laughs> 100 point season at the age of 40. Like that yeah. that that screams durability. Yeah, and I think like we talked about last week with Muhammad Ali that we'll never see another person like that again. Yeah. I don't Gordie we're Howe's not we're, Yeah, we're never seeing anyone like Gordy Howe again. And I know that we talk about, like, you know, like, we always say that Gretzky is the greatest ever in this sport. And, yeah, there is some clout to that, and that's true. He does have all the records. But Gordie Howe is, like, 
like basically did all that even before Gretzky. So I think it's like, um, I feel like, and he was like the tough guy too. So I think there's like, there is a case that Gordie Howe was the greatest of all time. Um, yeah, in that and, sense, and you hear all, all the greats, um, after him talking about yeah. like before he had players like Crosby and Obi who were influenced by guys like Pavel Burian, Wayne Gretzky and Yarmir Yager and Mario Lemieux. Who did those guys look up to? Right. The likes of Gordie Howe and Maurice Richard. Yeah. And you look at players like Gretzky, they were getting contracts like 11 million over four years, which a rich contract back when they played. But in today's NHL, that would be a steal to have a guy like Gretzky. Yeah. All Gordie Howe wanted was a new blazer and a, and a slight pay raise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really ask for much, and he was the type of guy that, you know, signings and, um, you know, autographs for the fans, like, he would do all that stuff for free just because he was a nice guy, he loved the game, he loved being around the fans. You don't see that uh, in today's NHL. No, you don't. Well, maybe Ovechkin. You probably never will see it again. You're right. He was was one of a kind, and and just looking at his impact, uh, some other awards, in 75, he was inducted in the Canada Sports Hall of Fame automatically inducted to hockey's greatest shrine of all the hockey hall of fame before the three-year rule took into effect where you yeah. can't get in th- until at the very earliest three years after you retired he was automatically a shoo-in but the cherry on top for me for gordy howe was when he was named an officer to the order of canada in 1971 and that's basically the entire country of canada recognizing your accomplishments not just in your profession but your accomplishments and what you've given to society like, he set the standard. Yeah, he did set the standard. And, I like, to me, I think there's, like, if you're going to make, a, like, a Mount Rushmore of, like, the greatest hockey players, I know there's four players, but I, I'm i going to make an exception for five. I know there's, like, usually four for Mount Rushmore, but I'm going to put five there because yeah. uh, I feel like it's tough to differentiate. But I'm going to put Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, Mario, Bobby Orr, and Rocket Richard. I feel like those guys will never, will never see those guys again. Um, you talk about Rocket Richard when he when he was still alive. He, he, he when asked about Gordy how he said Gordy could do everything. Yeah, um, and then uh, yeah. So speaking of players who are gonna, um, who like, uh, who are gonna talk about Gordy Howe, I just want to read an excerpt from what Mike Modano said, who wore number nine because of Gordy Howe. Um, he says, I always wore number nine because of Gordie Howe. Ever since I started playing junior hockey up in Saskatchewan with the Prince Albert Raiders, it had been, it had to be my number, had to be number nine. My dad grew up in Boston. And I remember him telling me stories when I was a little kid about Gordie coming to the garden with the Red Wings and terrorizing the Bruins. Gordie is such an icon that you don't need to watch YouTube to get an understanding of what he means to the game of hockey. His legend has been pressed, passed down by word of mouth from junior hockey buses to NHL locker rooms. To this day, guys in the NHL still talk about his toughness, the way he was able to control the game. Um, when I played for Detroit near the end of my career, I was struck by the fact that the, whenever we went on the road, it seemed like half the crowd was wearing red. Gordie Howe turned people all over the country into Red Wings fans. He single-handedly built the legacy of the winged wheel, um, and then, um, okay, and then uh, this is the last paragraph I'll read. Gordie Howe will live on in NHL locker rooms as long as people are still playing hockey. I'll guarantee you right now, even 50 years from now, anytime a guy has goal, a goal, an assist, and a fight, 
there will still be a rowdy little celebration in the room, and you'll hear Gordy's name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll... Yeah, he's right. No, no introduction needed. Like the 1980 NHL All-Star Game. Like, yeah. they didn't even say his name. They just said number nine, and you heard the Detroit fan go crazy because they knew yeah. who... who you, you didn't have to say his name to know who he was and how, how revered he was and respected he was. And like one of, one of, one of the guys I work with, um, he went to the 2012 all-star game in Ottawa. And this guy is, is in his early thirties. Um, or at, at the very least his late twenties. Mm. And he only met one person and that was Gordy Howe. He, yeah. uh, well, uh, he only took one photo, sorry. Of the event. One <laughs> photo, and that was with him and Gordy. Wow. That was great. Um, so, and, you're yeah. right. He, he inspi- he's still an inspiration to to everyone, regardless yeah. of their age, regardless of generation. They want to meet Gordy Howe. And yeah. I, I most, that's how important he was. I mostly included that Modano thing because it seemed like he, well, first off, he chose his number because of him, and also because it felt like, like it was just true that like he still has influence in this game today, even though he you know he's been gone for um you know since the nineteen eighties or whatever. Um, and then um, Rod Gilbert also just wanted to mention, yeah, who played with you know who played that with uh, Gordy when he was in his prime. Um, everybody was afraid of Gordy Howe. Everybody, I think that's why he was able to play into his fifties because everyone was scared of him. He was a great all-around player and a great passion of the game, of course, but fear was the real secret to his durability. Yeah, and uh, the radio station I worked at, we actually somehow got Johnny Bauer on the air. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and he was... He was He's the uh, Maple Leaf schoolie, right? Yeah, that, that Johnny Bauer, at 91 years old. And so we, we got him on the air, and he's telling this story of one time, just before Christmas, they were playing Detroit, and Corey comes in, just takes, uh, takes his backhand shot like this unstoppable backhand shot and he and he turns around and he turns to john and he says merry christmas john <laughs> and 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 then bob cole i uh, earlier in the day i saw him on hockey central that show on sports night there so around uh, from noon to one and he was saying um i can't remember the uh, this individual's name off the top of my head but he was telling uh a fishing story of, of him and Gordy, and yeah. he was telling Bob Cole about it, and he said, like, I, I just came back, I caught four fish, and, like, mm. probably the most productive fishing trip I've ever had, and Bob Cole says, how did Gordy do? Gordy caught six fish. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> just when he thought he had to be, yeah. and, and, and he does one better. Like, Gordy Howe is one of those guys that just excelled at everything, but and you, you hear stories about Brian Kilroy, like a local coaching legend in Ottawa with the 67s, and he just said, Gordie Howe never acknowledged that he was, he was the greatest, just a guy who loved to play hockey. He didn't consider hockey, uh, playing hockey a job. He, he just went out and, and played hockey, and, and, that, and, and that's what Marty, one of his sons, kept saying, you know, when everyone asked, where is that? He's like, is he working? He's like, no, just playing hockey. Yeah, <laughs> he, he just loved the game. He loved yeah. being around people, around the game, around the fans. He loved everything about hockey. And he, I, I hear TSN's Gino Retta also on our station uh, before um, before the evening show began. And he was talking about the series of strokes that Gordy had dating back to 2004 and his struggles with dementia. And some of that personality that everyone knew about Gordy Howe went away. Um 
And perhaps, in a way, it's kind of a relief to know that he's in a better place, reunited with his wife, Colleen, who uh, really was an important part of his life until she died in 2009. And, and, and you know, she, he, he really missed her uh, during, uh, since her death. So, um, yeah, as, as much of a loss as it was to the game of hockey, uh, Gordy paid his dues. And... And, and now, and now his second life begins, and, and everyone, especially in Detroit, uh, the entire um, NHL realm, of, you know, and you look at all the players yeah. in today's NHL who never played with 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 Gordy Howe alongside Gordy Howe, they got to meet him, and, and they understand what kind of a gentleman he yeah. was, and he, he, he was just a polarizing figure. He was the Muhammad Ali of hockey, according to Joel Ward of the Sharks. He's and I think that's a perfect way to describe Gordy. Just everyone <laughs> knew who he was. Um, <laughs> crazy uh, comparison to Joel Ward, but uh, the uh, yeah, I, I assume there's going to be like a moment of silence uh, in tonight's game or some kind of tribute. So um, look out for that um, in tonight's game. Um, uh, I guess when you're listening to this, it already happened. So. And, and, and yeah. uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a CFL team, this Canadian Football League, yeah. had a preseason game at home against BC. And he's from Saskatchewan, and they had a moment of silence before their game. Yeah. So it, this, this I think, transcends the game of hockey. It's, not, it's yeah. bigger, than, bigger than hockey. It's a, a, a massive sporting icon yeah. um, in North America. And yeah. As yeah, as we just said, he's like I don't think we'll ever see a guy like that again. Yeah, um, and, and to lose like two giants like Muhammad Ali and Gordy Howe within yeah. within a span of it's a crazy. week. It's, it's a bad, it's, it's a bad week for tough guys who yeah. are known for that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a sad sad week. Um, all right, let's get we'll we'll do a moment of silence uh, at the end of the podcast, but. Uh, first, we have some other stories, or some other stories we should cover. So, on um, unless you have more, something else you want to no, say, okay? No, uh, I think uh, I felt bad well, last everything time. Everything about Gordy Howe that uh, I think that we should say. Is that, yeah, I okay. think everything has been said. Just I just, I just, as I remember, I remember last time you were like you went on more than I thought you were, <laughs> uh, than you were ready. So I'm making sure you have the um, enough what you wanted to say out no, there. No, All right. Um, so Las Vegas, um, it looks like they're getting a team in the 27 to 2018 uh, season. Um, so that's not this season, but next season. Um, it's looking like the owner is this guy named Bill Foley. Yeah, he says apparently they're very, he feels they're very, very close to getting it done. Yeah, um, I think they're, like, deciding, I thought they were deciding this week, but they may be deciding next week, but... Uh, I hear the Board of Governors convene on June 22nd, yeah. I believe that is when the expansion Oh, so, that's okay, so, that so that's... June twenty second. So, oh, so that's that's not even next so, week. So that's, that's like not even next week. The week after. That's the week after. Okay. Um. The uh. Yeah. So, but it's looking like it's gonna happen. Like even NHL people are saying like it's gonna happen. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. That's yeah. Gonna and then we'll talk <laughs> about you know who. Yeah. Which teams um should keep what and the expansion drafts. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I like Batman. I'm, I'm not going to believe it until it's a done deal and there's official announcement and everything. Okay, fair enough. But I do want to say, it's, though... It's definitely, it's definitely tough to ignore. Yeah. And it, it, this subject has definitely taken off faster than I thought it would. I do want to say that uh, apparently the expansion draft, or part of the expansion draft, will be a rule that at least one defenseman and two forwards who have played 40 games in a season or 70 games over two seasons must be left unprotected. Uh, team must protect players that have no movement clauses active in the 2017-2018 season. I Any- believe Phaneuf qualifies in that. Who? Dion Phaneuf. I, I think he has no movement clause. Um, yeah, I have to look at that. Any player traded after January 1st, 2017 cannot be reacquired until January 18, January 1st, 2018. Um... And as had been announced earlier, first and second year professionals would be exempt from this expansion draft. Um, and I don't know, it doesn't say here how many players a team can keep. Um, Pretty sure there's a limit, though. Yeah. But either way, just like that, it makes it seem like I think that this Las Vegas team will probably get a pretty decent group of players. And that's, I think, the goal in expansion. I mean, you yeah. don't want a team to be a seller dweller right off the bat. You well, that's, want them yeah. to be competitive. Well, that's what happened to uh, Columbus and Nashville when those were the most recent expansion teams. Um, they just, you know, they uh, they had to, like, work from the ground up because none of the, uh, you know, just because of these expansion rules weren't really that great. But um, mm-hmm. And that so was before, I think, like, yeah. the 05 lockout, too. Mm-hmm. So um, a, lot, a lot has changed between yeah. the time National and Columbus entered. And league. I've had I've had mixed emotions or mixed feelings about this whole Las Vegas thing. Like I use I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't think it will because I just I, I've been to Vegas and I think it's just like there's hardly any like actual natives there. Um, so I don't know if it's gonna work if it's just like a tourist thing. Um, I mean, I don't know, get, don't get me wrong, I'd probably, like, if I was at Vegas and, like, the Bruins are playing or, like, a good team is playing, I'd probably go, but I don't know. I don't think Vegas is there, like, is like has enough peop, people, locals, to actually make a sports team. Yeah, um, and, and, and the only two events or sports that have big events there yeah. uh, over the years are the UFC... And boxing. And those are one-night events. Yeah. We're talking 82-game season, year after year after year after year. And you're wondering if it can be sustained. And I hear the stories of Las Vegas Wranglers. This is an ECHL team that pretty much had to that pretty much had to pack up their things. Yeah. And when that happens to an ECHL team, that really concerns me. I mean, yeah. if they can't handle an ECHL team properly... What makes you think that they can handle one two levels higher or yeah. three levels? So that's that's my main concern. I mean, I, I will be interested to see what they do, but um, I don't know if it's the right choice. I think there's rumors that Quebec City may may get a team soon. I would rather a team go or to Seattle before yeah. a team go to Las Vegas because they have a new building. Yeah. And that's and that's what they were talking about. Like you need to get a new building. They got one built. It's all mm. set. They're ready to go. It's been open for a year now. Yeah. Um, Quebec I think, City, I think, uh, yeah. is more capable of doing that. But again, it's the 
I think the or, whole Eastern Western yeah. Conference evening out. I think yeah, I was about to say that. Um, I could also. I mean, I don't know about Seattle, but that would be an uh, interesting team. But it's an interesting choice. But I think I can't remember where I heard this, but apparently. They want, like, a basketball team. Put the idea of an NHL team on the back burner, or at least yeah. I think their mayor has. Uh, I, I, I can't confirm if that's true or not, but I read somewhere that yeah, maybe true. Some, someone isn't 100% yeah. on board with the idea right now, and I think that's why you're not hearing talks. I know, about yeah, I know. I think that's true, because I remember hearing that that's why they haven't, um, you know, there hasn't been that many talks, speculation about that. Yeah, and then but, there's, you know, there's also talks, you know, that yeah. they would get an NBA team back in that case, and I think that's even quieted down. As but, well. like, let's say there is a team in Quebec City. What are they going to do? Because they can't, like, put Quebec City in the Western Conference, and then there's going to be, like, yeah. you know, three teams, three more teams in the Eastern Conference. It's just, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, like, Oklahoma City, maybe? I don't know. I'm just thinking of teams that like don't have one that could probably support a a franchise, but um, and then um, oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, right, the um, I think I feel like the NHL just wants a Las Vegas team just so that they can say like, yeah, we're the first team to put a team in Las Vegas. But I just I don't see how it's going to work. Um, we'll see, see. There's a difference between being the first to produce a team in Las Vegas and the first to produce a sustainable team in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. I don't want to expand for five or ten years and have the team go down under. Yeah. I want this team to be competitive well, for years and years and years. I right. don't want to have to move them after five or ten years. Yeah. And if, and if that if that's a realistic possibility, forget it. True. Although, I mean, I guess... That's what it comes back down to. It's sustainable. I guess, like, if it's going to be, like, in, a in like, next to, like, a casino, like, I think they make a ton of money. So, if it's yeah. they're, if they're willing to spend, like, money on that kind of stuff, then maybe, you know, maybe they they will do it. I don't know. Um, yeah, that, that, then, then, they're, then they're stealing your team Melnick's idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, put us a casino right about there, it'll be fun, yeah. Oh, is, is that, like, Melnick's like, idea? I was trying to get a casino uh, to, to come to, to Canada there to kind of, like, help uh, generate more revenue for the Sens or something like that, and it just didn't go over well. Wow. So. Oh, that's funny. All right. Yeah, uh, at least he's part of a group that'll yeah. get a, a, a new building uh, built yeah. Negotiation. But um, regardless, I think if this is announced, you're right. We should wait till it is announced. But yeah, it does not, it does look like it's gonna happen though. Um, yeah. But it, um, it's definitely this is the first real yeah. sign that okay, the NHL is considering this. They're yeah. not dodging it; they're actually considering it. Yeah, exactly. And but uh, either way, I think it's like teams are gonna like it's gonna affect this year's free agencies and draft yeah, and, and all and, stuff. And the free agencies down the line too. Yeah. Like in the goalie front, like Ben Bishop, I think his contract. I think Flurry might be going too. If, yeah, yeah, um, he's another one. Yeah. Um. Le- all right. Uh, let's go to the next topic. Uh, Lake Erie. The uh, Calder Cup, which is the AHL team, or the minor leagues, um, they yeah, had their Stanley Cup. The AHL Stanley Cup, yeah. The Lake Erie Monsters won the Calder Cup against the uh, Hershey Bears. Lake Erie is the Columbus Blue Jackets affiliate, and the Hershey Bears are the Washington Capitals affiliate. It was a four-game sweep, um, and I thought it was pretty cool that the last, the game-winning goal uh, came with two seconds left in the first OT. 
um, in that game. Um, I think like Sonny Milano was like the big star in that um, in that series. So um, I guess uh, the Blue Jackets have something to look out for. I feel like the Hershey Bears are always good, even though the Capitals yeah. are like you know bad or good. It doesn't matter. It's like the Hershey Bears are always good. Um, yeah, I guess the Capitals' curse extends their age. Yeah, too. exactly. Um, but like, uh, yeah, and, uh, the Ohio gets their playoff. You know, gets their championship. First, um, a first Calder Cup in fifty-two years. Yeah. So maybe a reason for Cavs fans to be optimistic if. Uh, their, if their and team Columbus. Has, has a better chance uh, to, to win, you know, a championship of any of the big four sports. Uh, maybe the Cavs, there's reason to hope, uh, even even though their team is down 3-1 uh, to one heading into game five. So, uh, LeBron and Co., if you don't get it done this year, it, it, probably a little consolation, but at least your AHL team. <laughs> a little consolation. The same guy yeah. is, uh, has, has got accolades to brag about the entire summer. Yeah. They would probably rather Cleveland win a championship and get the Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, this doesn't really count, I don't think. <laughs> um, the uh, New Jersey Devils. It was, I think it was the second, it was the second uh, highest attendance in a playoff game, too. How? So it's it's not like they, they didn't care. There were a lot of people yeah. back at the stadium for that. Well, I mean, I just mean like it's not like a professional Well, no, but win. It, well, it, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were obviously interested in True. And yeah, I mean Columbus. Columbus does pretty well in in terms of attendance. So, um, the uh, New Jersey Devils uh, traded their second round pick in the twenty eighteen draft and Mark Savard. Oh no, sorry. The Devils picked up a second round pick, uh, which in twenty eighteen and Mark contra- and Mark Savard and his contract because he can't really play. Uh, from the Florida Panthers in exchange for minor league players uh, Graham Black and Paul Thompson. It's a minor trade, but uh, we shouldn't notice that. I think this is uh, something that for either team, the Devils are in rebuild mode so they can afford to pick off Mark Savard's contract. And um, and the Florida Panthers are going to make some moves, it looks like, because they freed up space. Um well, they've, to get they've got to because of all the pieces that they acquired at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, they, they need to pretty much adapt there. And Shank Savar's contract helps them a lot. And the Devils, it's kind of like a trade the Maple Leafs make these days. <laughs> they're not really going anywhere. Your face of the franchise is still Corey Schneider. Yeah. Un- unless he goes off like he did last year and can sustain that and Paul Marion Camilleri continue to light it up. But I, dear, they're probably not going to be a playoff team again next year. So what have you got but, to lose? But I mean, just, they. Just stack, just stack but I think this is just proof that they're rebuilding. They're, yeah. you know, they're just, um, they're not going to be great <laughs> for a Honestly, couple of years. The fact that the fact that Yager is getting his own type of vlogger peer uh, piqued my interest more than this trade. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I think of it. Um. Yeah, it wasn't interesting. Um. At all. But um. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. It's it the is hockey news. Trade, so. I guess. But uh, the prospects yeah. and. Uh, the prospects, I think, are more intriguing than the Savard contract. Um, and then other news, uh, Scott Hartnell will reportedly remove his uh, no-trade clause. I think this was a couple weeks ago, but... Um, yeah, reports regardless. from the hockey writers uh, com- confirmed uh, that uh, not too long ago, actually. Yeah. Um, we were talking off-air, um, well, really chatting, but um, the... Uh, 
it would be cool if he went to Nashville under Peter LaViolette. I think I read somewhere the idea was being floated around of that happening because, you know, you have Ryan Johansson there yeah. as well. And you, you, you also have, uh, you know, guys like James Neal on that team and yeah. Philip Forsberg. So that's a solid top four if you add Hartnell to that mix. Yeah. Um, although it would be, uh, it'd be interesting t- because of the Pittsburgh Philly uh, rivalry with James yeah. Neal and Scott Hartnell, who are both pretty big contributors in that rivalry back when yeah, it was Neil, Neil really Hart, heated. Well, they, they, they can get pretty chippy sometimes. Yeah. But, um... Dive. And, and we were talking about, you also, if you add Ribeiro there, um, although, does, yeah. isn't he, like, a free agent this season? I thought uh, he was, let me if, he, if he is, I, I, I probably close to retirement anyway. I don't, I don't, if they keep him, it's for one year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so then... If Nashville gets Hartnell, that means you have Ribeiro, James Neal, and uh, Scott Hartnell, who are all like tough guy, insta- tough guy instigators. Uh, let's see here, Ribeiro. Oh yeah, he is a free agent this year. So yeah, I um, think off the he's thirty six like, years old. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I think he got like I can't remember his exact numbers. I think it was something to the tune of seven goals and twenty nine assists and. I had him on my fantasy team. Like, there are more yeah. nights where he would have more games where he, uh, or so it seemed like he had more games where he got, like, 10 minutes in penalties, which yeah. is 1.5 points for me, regardless. <laughs> and uh, he would have more of those games than he would, like, three-point games. So yeah. um, he, he's kind of on the decline offensively. And if, if you're going to be sitting in the penalty box – I mean, it's 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 pretty tough to to keep a guy around like that. Just looking at his yeah. two points in twelve playoff games, he was a minus three this year. <laughs> seven goals and twenty seven assists. Uh, or no, that's career playoffs. Yeah, uh, seven goals and forty three assists actually. Oh. Yeah, so that's fifty points in any one game. Right. Okay, my mistake. But so still still a pretty decent point producer, I guess. But. If, um, I think you're right, though. He's I probably going to retire. If it was a choice between Mike Ribeiro and Scott Hartnell um, as to which to keep, I would go with uh, Scott Hartnell, definitely. Yeah, I would, too. Um, I was actually just looking at their uh, their general fanager page, which just keeps track of their salary and stuff. Um, Mike Fisher's going to be UFA. Mike Ribeiro's going to be UFA. And Eric Nystrom's going to be UFA. And they're all over 30. So, um, I don't think yeah, they're going to... Yeah, Ribeiro's probably still the odd man out. Well, I don't think they're going to keep Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher is even, like, the same age as Ribeiro. Mm-hmm. And Nystrom uh, is 33. I keep Mike Fisher over Mike Ribeiro, definitely. Well, I would too, but I I don't I don't know. I'm just talking about in terms of age. They're both 36 years old. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, so maybe enough, it's... I didn't think Mike Fisher was 36 years old. Yeah. Honest. Um, I don't know. Is there any other teams that you could think of that uh, would make well, sense for him? I think for based on his ties to Nashville and, and to Laviolette, because like he started his career in Nashville. Right. And, and you look at what Columbus needs. You know, they got Seth Jones uh, in the Johansson trade. Right. Um, so they got a good young defenseman, but they need more than just Seth Jones. Like Seth Jones is pretty much. He's, he's pretty much their t- a top defenseman right now. They need a lot more to build on defensively because yeah. they've got tons of offensive prospects like Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, etc. Nashville's got a ton of young blue liners there. 
so I could see either one of those two ending the Blue Jackets. I'm sure a lot of other potential shooters, shooters will show interest in Scott Hartnell. Yeah. But Nashville's the first one that comes to mind. And you look at Columbus especially, they have four other forwards um, not named Scott Hartnell with no movement clauses. Yeah, I and just those noticed don't, that. Those don't include the likes of Brandon Saad, Boone Jenner, Cam Atkinson, Alexander Wenberg, Sonny Milano, Kirby Reichel, and maybe the top three pick yeah. coming their way if they draft a forward. So you've got a lot of guys that you want to keep that don't have no movement clauses, especially if that expansion draft comes into place. Yeah. They could lose a lot. So getting a guy on defense for Scott Hartnell, I think, is a must. Defense is where they need to improve on. They can't afford to get another forward that probably is going to be picked up uh, by somebody else at some point in the near future. They need to build on their weaknesses, and definitely defense is it's, it's a big weakness for them. Well, they have Sonny Milano, who uh, helped out in that uh, Calder Cup win. Um, they also have Brandon Saad, as you mentioned. Um, I think they have someone else who in their system, too. I'm blanking on their name. They, 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 they had a Zach, oh, right. Zach Varensky. Mm-hmm. And um, they have another... Well, Seth Jones. And I think they have another defenseman who's supposed to be good, too. Um so they oh Ryan Murray um yeah so they they do have a lot of young defensemen um but like yeah maybe I don't know maybe they should get a forward um by the way you yeah, mentioned I, again with yeah. all, with all those players that yeah. uh, outside of Scott Hartnell that aren't protected yeah uh, and the and the four players that have no movement clauses not named Scott Hartnell like, well, I, was, I, I would I would easily I was I would about to upgrade mention. on defense because, like Jack Johnson. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, he was he was he was for a time their best defenseman. He, he hasn't really been that. Good. Right, but I think I think Seth Jones gonna be the that guy now, um, and I think Ryan Murray and if uh, Zacharinsky are Zacharinsky will probably be there in a couple of years, so yeah, they have some time. That's true. And, and I think not, I think they're good in terms of the future of the defenseman. I guess you're right; they may need another defenseman, but yeah, uh, they, they, they I feel like. Experienced defenseman, but as you, experience and Ryan Ellis yeah. has, has been that as well. Matthias Stackelman, as you were saying, uh, has kind of evolved this game a little bit in that respect this year too. Yeah, as you were saying, the four guys and the no movement clauses. So that's Dubinsky, Foligno, Clarkson, and Hartnell. So. <laughs> Um, and Hartnell just said that he was going to move his no-movement clause. Uh, Clarkson and Foligno haven't been as good as they should be. Foligno is, isn't going anywhere. Clarkson, yeah. I think no one is probably going to touch that Well, these guys right have no-movement clauses, so they yeah, can't no move anyway. Yeah, no-movement clauses, and I doubt they can even move Clarkson even if he wanted to move his no-movement yeah, yeah, yeah. clause. So. Well, it happened to uh, Toronto, did, but uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true, but again, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that's what I'm saying though. I think, I think that's why you go with forwards if you're going to trade Scott Hartnell. You that's don't go. true. And I think outside of Scott Hartnell and David Clarkson, I think those are the only two forwards I could see going. Yeah. If you upgrade on defense, you, get a much better, you would yeah. get a much better return for Scott Hartnell than you would for David Clarkson. Yeah, I agree with that. And you have, so you have Brandon Saad, um, who's going to be good. And then you have, uh, Sonny Milano, Kirby Reichel. Um, and then you probably and you have a third overall pick, so uh, that'll probably be Pool Who Harvey, right? Pooley Harvey or Pooley Harvey, yeah. yeah. So, so you, I guess you do have some forwards there, but I think you might need one more forward or one more defenseman. 
um, in the future. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's, is that it? I guess that's it. Um, um yep, that's about it for episode 35. Yeah, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. And, and we'll, uh, we'll end this podcast with a moment of silence for Gordy Howe. Yeah, we'll see you uh, in episode in 36 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Rest in, rest in peace to one of the greats. Our condolences uh, to Gordy House family during this difficult time. Uh, lost a true icon. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.